Life's complicated and overwhelming enough, especially for those of us in mission-driven work. So let's make your journey to health as simple and sustainable as possible. I'm Lisa Baker, and I want to welcome you to the Simply Health Coaching Podcast, where it's the food and it's more than the food. On this podcast, we'll talk about the food that you put in your mouth and everything else that nourishes you or doesn't, with special attention paid to the problems and opportunities facing women over 40 burning out in mission-driven work. My vision is a world in which we can all be well while doing good, and my mission is to give you the simple resources and practices and some helpful connections to get there. Let's get started. This week's episode is brought to you by my Flip Your Kitchen sessions, monthly virtual cooking classes guaranteed to move your home cooking and meal planning practice forward simply and sustainably. Classes start again in January 2024, and we'll be meeting the third Friday of the month for most of the year, with a few months off for good behavior. Each class focuses on a single recipe or technique and lasts only 45 minutes. Get the recipe ahead of time and cook along, or bring your lunch and tune in. If you can't make it, don't worry, the replay will be available. Classes can be taken alone or in series, and tickets are available on Humanitix for individuals and in discounted blocks of 10 in case you're looking for an employee workshop or other group activity. Follow my community page or find and follow me on Humanitix, where you'll be notified of upcoming events by email so you won't miss any. Links to both are in the show notes. According to acronymfinder.com, SAD is an acronym with at least 104 meanings. And two of those meanings often crop up in my work as a health coach. One is seasonal affective disorder, and one is standard American diet. And yesterday I was struck by an odd connection between the two. I had the thought winter is just one long carb craving. And of course, The moment I had that thought, the universe put a piece from NPR about seasonal affective disorder on my radar. Now, just as an aside, if you think that our devices don't listen to what we're saying and typing, be very afraid. I think it's worse than that. I think they're starting to read our minds as well. I assure you that piece showed up after I had the thought and before I texted it to my daughter. So, seasonal affective disorder. I learned as a college junior studying abroad in Taiwan that I am a four-season girl, hot and hellishly humid, or cold and wet were the two seasons that I experienced there, and they just were not enough. I thought about it again, when we lived in Southern California, where for the first first two years, I would fire pillows at my husband because he would open the blinds every morning and say, oh, look, another sunny day. Nope. Give me a glorious fall and a sticky mud season if that's what it takes to add up to four seasons. I even enjoy winter. What about daylight savings, you might ask? 
Well, I get up before the sun year round, so dark mornings really don't affect me. I do miss the amazing lake view when my trip home from the medical center is in the dark, and I know it'll be back in the spring. I do recognize that many people suffer from seasonal affective disorder, and it's no joking matter. And I wonder, if I had to employ light therapy, would I actually have the patience to sit there for the recommended 30 minutes daily? I really appreciated the comment in the NPR piece about SAD that people seem to be more or less predisposed to it, perhaps in part genetically. Apparently, people from the Nordic countries, Swedes, for example, suffer from it much less. I've always thought about that predisposition as kind of a spectrum. Some of us fall lower on the spectrum and feel the lack of light more, while others live higher on the spectrum and feel it less. I seem to live pretty high up on the spectrum because while darkness has little effect on me, a sunny day makes me deliriously happy and energetic, something like what I expect taking uppers feels like. So that's one, one definition for the acronym, SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder. The other definition that applies to my work as a health coach is Standard American Diet. And I got a whole lot more to say about this one. Here's, the, here's part of a description that I found for the Standard American Diet from a website called nutritionfacts.org. And I quote, a 2010 report from the National Cancer Institute on the status of the American diet found that three out of four Americans don't eat a single piece of fruit in a given day, and nearly nine out of 10 don't reach the minimum recommended daily intake of vegetables. On a weekly basis, 96% of Americans don't reach the minimum for greens or beans. 98% don't reach the minimum for orange vegetables, and 99% don't reach the minimum for whole grains. In conclusion, the researchers wrote, nearly the entire U.S. population consumes a diet that is not on par with recommendations. These findings add another piece to the rather disturbing picture that is emerging of a nation's diet in crisis end quote. Yeah, yeah, you might say, but that's a vegetarianist organization. We can't trust them. So here's the U.S. government's take. Not sure whether you trust the U.S. government anymore, but here's the U.S. government's opinion. Again, a quote, a long one. In the United States, poor diet was once associated with undernutrition. Today, it is more associated with excess particularly excesses in calories, saturated fats, trans fats, added sugars, and sodium. The poor diets and sedentary lifestyles of the American public have led to high rates of obesity, overweight, and diet-related chronic diseases, including cardiovascular disease, hypertension, dyslipidemia, type 2 diabetes, osteoporosis, and certain types of cancer. 
It has been estimated that poor diet quality and physical inactivity contributed to approximately 16.6% of U.S. deaths in 2000, compared to 14% in 1990, end quote. So that all basically boils down to Americans are overfed, too many calories, and undernourished, not enough nutrition an irony if there ever was one. And finally, from Fullscript, a supplement company. Again, potentially questionable as a source, but I think also useful. Quote, the standard American diet is a modern dietary pattern afflicting American adults and children across the United States with long-term damaging health consequences. By definition, the standard American diet consists of ultra-processed foods, added sugar, fat, and sodium. Consumption of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, and lean protein is greatly lacking in this diet." End quote. I was gonna say, I'm gonna give you the view from my seat, but since my desk is a standing one, let's have the view from my standing desk. As a nutrition care rep, at the local medical center. I speak daily with patients and the focus of my job is to help them order meals that fit any dietary restriction that they might be under. And I'll tell you that that title, nutrition care representative, that is a marketing coup if I've ever seen one. It's a very sexy title for someone who answers the phone in a call center, but we waive that point. Basically, my work at the medical center helps me to confirm every one of the assessments I offered above about the standard American diet. Now, this is not a scientific study, mind you, but here I'm going to give you my impressions after about 11 months in the call center. First, fruit and vegetable consumption. I am known as the vegetable pusher in the office not just by my coworkers who hear me ask every patient, and what would you like for a vegetable with your dinner? Also by my patients who have mostly been known to have one of a few reactions. The first, I don't eat vegetables. The second, I didn't know my mom worked here. The third, I'll have the cottage cheese. Um, that is not a vegetable, sir. Only rarely does a patient ask for vegetables on their own or get excited at my suggestion. Fruits fare a bit better, but not by much. Next, whole grains and legumes. At least half, probably more, of my patients order the white options, white bread, white pasta, even though whole grain options are available. The lentil pilaf is regularly shunned. I think I maybe served one a month, probably less than one a month for the last 11 months. The lentil soup is the least frequently ordered item in the soup menu, and the black beans are regularly removed from the quesadilla. I want just cheese and chicken, people will say. It's hard to say whether the beans 
or the kale discourage people from the sausage, bean, and kale soup. But frankly, I'll tell you, it's delicious. Protein. The most common question, don't you have cheeseburgers? My answer, why, yes, we do. They're on the secret kids menu, I say. And yes, there might just be a little bit of judgment and shaming going on in the subtext, which runs through my mind. You are a grown-ass adult. Can't you expand your horizons a bit? You know, if you didn't eat cheeseburgers daily, you might not be in the cardiac unit. And no, I don't say any of that. Next line. I'll have that with fries. Um, no, we don't have fries. Not even on the secret kids menu. So go back and see the subtext above. This is what I call the weird, sad coincidence. If I had time, I would actually keep a tally. <laughs> Instead, I'm going to share with you my I feel this in my gut observation. Patients on the heart healthy diet, which means we are restricting their fat, saturated fat, sodium, and sometimes their fluids, are immediately drawn to the items that contain the most of these nutrients. It's the chicken alfredo over white pasta, if you want to know. Patients on the consistent carb diet, those with blood sugar issues, seem immediately drawn to the highest carb items on the menu. Pasta, bulky rolls, sweet potatoes, and the pumpkin custard, which I'm going to tell you is delicious. It's like pumpkin pie without the crust. If you've ever read Michael Pollan, or seen the documentary Supersize Me, you will have heard that our highly processed foods appear to have an addictive quality to them. Judging by this observation, I'm thinking it's true. Why else would we tend toward foods that cause us so much distress? I really can't help but feel like our standard American diet likely has a connection to our seasonal affective disorder if we struggle with that. As the NPR piece indicates, for many who suffer from the seasonal disorder, winter does feel like one long carb craving. And usually those carbs are super processed. Granted, changing the way we eat won't cure seasonal affective disorder, and it might actually help. Pharmaceuticals and phototherapy may be indicated. And what if we could reduce our need for them by shifting our diets to include more whole foods, especially more whole grains, beans, fruits, and veggies? Now, of course, I'm biased. As a health coach, I tend to start by talking about the food. Because as my tagline says, it's the food and it's more than the food. And changing our food choices within our budget is one small step we can take to discover whether the two SADs are actually related for us. It's an experiment. So make the connection. If you suffer from either seasonal affective disorder or the standard American diet, I'm offering you a lot of opportunities to experiment with the idea that they're connected. Join me in 2024 for virtual cooking demos and workshops that will help you get back into the kitchen cooking from scratch on a regular basis and move away from the standard American diet. 
And let's see if we can shift your seasonal affective disorder with some improved nutrition education. We're starting off with a free meal planning workshop in December to get you on the right path. And you can get tickets for upcoming events right on my website or follow me on Humanitics and be informed when a new event is listed. I hope to see you at an event soon. Thanks for listening. Please note that any suggestions provided on this show are not meant to replace medical advice, and the opinions of the guests on this show are their own. Simply Health Coaching and Elizabeth A. Baker, LLC, neither endorse nor take responsibility for statements made by guests. Let me know your thoughts about the episode and share your biggest takeaways and aha moments. And let me know who else you want to hear from on the topic of being well while doing good. You can send me a voice message directly through most of the listening platforms. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast in your listening app so you never miss an episode. Love the podcast? You can support it with a donation directly from the podcast homepage in most listening apps. If you'd like to know more about my work, visit my website at simplyhealthcoaching.com. As always, the link is in the show notes.